Hey, good morning, Active Church. My name is Joe. I'm part of the team here. And if it's your first time joining us today, man, we want to say you're awesome. We're glad you're here. We know it is not a small feat to come to a church. Maybe you even came alone. That's a crazy thing, thinking that you came to church alone. I've been there. I went to church alone by myself once upon a time, and it changed everything. Um, And so I hope today is a day that you're open You're open to having a conversation about what life could look like maybe differently than how you're living it or maybe in a different rhythm. Um, As Pastor Mike said, we've been in a series called Hope is a Superpower. And in this series, we've just seen how powerful hope is, not just for the follower of Jesus, even though it is for the follower of Jesus. We've been talking about how hope is just a powerful force in this world. It provides confidence. It provides stability. It provides us a future dream. And you know, dreams, that's the only thing that we as humans can do. No animal dreams. We're the only one that dreams. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine the anxiety your dog has thinking about building the future? No, there is no anxiety in the animal kingdom. It is just for us. Hope gives us dreams. Hope gives us the ability to think about things beyond us, above us, and that things can happen through us. Hope is powerful. And as we've had these conversations over the past few few weeks, our hope and our prayer, and I thought here at Active, is that you don't just engage with the concepts and just get information when you come to church, because it's really easy just to come to church and get a bunch of information. Maybe you receive a story or a narrative or scripture. You're like, that's really good. I'm going to put it down on my notes page. I'm going to post it. But our hope is that when we come together and we engage with these concepts or narratives or scripture, is that you leave changed. Maybe not fully changed, but you leave uh, experiencing what God has for your life, or at least engaged with God has for your life, or potentially open to what God has for your life. We don't just talk about these concepts and narratives, just information. We want you to, to, to counter these things. We want you to experience things and come against these things, because we just believe that when we read Scripture that actually there's healing that can happen. That there's actually things that God begins to do in our life. And maybe you're new to faith, new to God, new to church. And you're just thinking, like, can it be real for me today? My ask is just engage in this moment to be open to maybe that today God wants to experience uh, something, has an experience for you right where you're at today. So if we're going to talk about the power of hope, we have to talk about the inverse of that. And that's not fun. We have to talk about hopelessness. And maybe you're there already. Like maybe you you think about hopelessness and you're like, yep, I've experienced that. You're walking through a marriage right now and that marriage you just feel is on the edge where you're not having the conversations you need to have and you've been thinking about these conversations for a while and you just feel like you're just going through the motions over and over and over again. Every day you wake up and you're like, well, you're still here. I'm still here. Let's just figure out how to make this happen. But I don't really know where this is going. Maybe you think about your job and you put so much energy and time and plans into all of that. And as you pour your energy, times, and plans, it's just not panning out the way that you thought it was going to pan out. You've done it all. You've gone to school. You've been successful. But still, you feel this weight of emptiness, of a lack of excitement about the job. You knew you thought it was going to be so exciting. It's paying well. But still, there's just something that's just not fulfilling you. Maybe it's a medical issue that you just seem to be walking through all the time. It's just kind of lingering there. No matter where you look, it's just kind of hovering in the background. It's there. It's just unanswered. And you're like, I I really don't know what to do. No matter what I I do or say, I can't just get it off of my mind. Maybe it's kids. You're walking, walking through raising kids right now, and you're just like, they just won't talk to me. 
I'm trying to, trying to do this parenting thing, and I'm doing it better than my parents did, but still, they don't understand what I've done for them, and it just feels hopeless. You ever been there where you just feel hopeless, directionless, aimless, dreamless, and maybe even you're feeling today a little loneliness? You ever have one of those days where you just want to cover your face and act like you don't exist. Remember when you used to do that when you were a kid? Maybe it was just me. You cover your face and you're just like, I'm not here, peek-a-boo, right? Or maybe you go home and you throw the blankets over your head and you act like you're not there and then somebody walks in the room as you're a little kid and you, you pop out and you go, boo! They're like, whoa! As adults, we're like, whoa, you scared me! You ever have one of those days where you just want to go home and throw your blankets over your head and go, I wish I really wasn't here. I, I am feeling lonely. I wish I was invisible. I'm tired of how things are going. I, I want to give up. Hopelessness is a hard conversation. Can we just get that out of the way? It is a hard conversation, and it's a hard place to be. We've talked a lot about hope over the past couple of weeks, but if we have to talk about how powerful hope is, we have to talk about how cyclical hopelessness is. Because when we're in a hopeless state, it is difficult. It is painful. It is scary to get out of because it makes you feel like you have nothing to look forward to. And maybe today you've walked into this place and you've been thinking about your hope and you feel great. You came in hopeful. You heard these songs. You're like, yep, the joy of the Lord is in me. I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. I don't want you to leave any different. But I do want to ask you the question, how's your hope doing? Because as followers of Jesus, I think it is so important. Actually, I don't think, I know, I've seen it, I've read it, that when you are a follower of Jesus, being aware of where your hope levels are is a really essential part of what we do. And I even think that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that being aware of your hope is really important because other people are influenced by your hope. Um, I, we're, we're fragile creatures. Uh, I'm so fragile that when I go to a party and there's no music, I really feel uncomfortable. You ever been there? You're at a party where there's no music and you just hear people chewing, like ASMR, like, oh, I hate that. It makes me tingle, like, ugh, right? I've been there. Me and my wife went to a restaurant the other day. It was great. It was in Loma Linda. We loved it, um, except we walk in and, and there's nobody there in the restaurant. You ever go and you're like, there's nobody here? And so you start looking at the rating, try to be nonchalant, like, oh, I left something in the car. Like, okay, cool. They got an A. We're good. But we go in, there's nobody there. And I'm like, what's, okay, okay. We sit down, the wait staff is there, they serve us right away, we get our food within five minutes. I'm like, okay, I feel off. Why? It's because my background was off. There's no music, so I heard every chomp. I love my wife, but I don't wanna hear slurp noodles, I'm sorry. There's some things you need to keep sacred, right? It's like, I don't need to, I don't need to see it, I, I get it. The wait staff just feels like they're watching the environment was off. They're waiting on our hand and feet. You need water? Like, no, I haven't even finished my cup. Like, I just took a drink right now. My background was off. Hope is like a background. It's the undercurrent to everything that we do. It's how we operate and how we function and how we make decisions. You know, we think the background often isn't important, don't we? Like, just in the background. But the background of things influences everything. They influence what we expect, what we think, what we think is going to happen next. I mean, we think about movies, the background of a set sets the mood. The background of your phone changes depending on the season because you want to set the mood for yourself. You want to set the expectations for yourself. Hope is a background to our life. How's your background? 
How's the music? Is it hopeful? Is it inspiring? Do you feel confident? Are you ready for tomorrow? Are you excited for what's to come? Or is it just white noise that's just drowning out other things that are happening in your life? How's your hope? Like I said, some of us in here, we're great. We walked in going like, yeah, I'm ready. And I don't want you to leave any different today. I don't want you to leave beat up. I don't want you to leave exhausted. I don't want you to leave feel like, well, now pastor said I got to go do 12 different things. No, it's, that's not that conversation we're having today. We're not. But I do want you to be aware. I'm going to give you a guarantee that's not always fun to give. Um, life may hit at some point. And so if you came hopeful today, I am glad, but life may hit. Um, statistically, it will hit. And when it hits, we don't operate how we want. We operate how we are. And I want this just to get into you today. Uh, I love what Mike Tyson says. You guys know Mike Tyson, the boxer, uh, famous for boxing and uh, <laughs> biting ears. Like he, that Mike Tyson, yeah. He'd be asked about his game plan going into a fight. And uh, he'd, he'd be asked, like, you know, Mike, you know, these guys are a little faster than you. They're stronger than you. You know, they move a little quicker. What do you think about their game plan? And he said, uh, which I love, is that uh, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. And ain't that true? <laughs> so you may be hopeful today when life punches, which it statistically will, grief may come. You may mess up one day. You may be down on your luck and you make a bad decision in an empty moment. Somebody else may do something to your life and you may be stuck with the consequences of their decisions. I hope it never happens. But I just want you to be prepared, not with the game plan, but just these things that maybe you need to get inside of you today. And maybe there's another group of us that don't necessarily feel hopeless, but we've been operating like we don't believe in hope. Maybe your coworkers would say about you, like, you know, Dave's just, he's gotten all the raises in the world. He's just never happy. He's just always upset. Always just feels like no matter what we do, it's not enough. Maybe, maybe it's the kids that are actually saying it. Like, mom is always mad. And whenever she talks about the calendar, whenever she talks about her schedule, we just feel like a burden to her. Like, why did you have kids, mom? Like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm sorry I got life going on. Maybe it's even your friends that are like, I, I don't know what to do, but they just, Steve feels stuck. And Steve is always on edge. And he's always just jumpy. You ever been jumpy before? It just feels like things have been so jumpy the past couple of years. Steve, you're always jumpy. So you may not be operating, you may not feel hopeless, but you're operating like you don't believe in hope. You may not be feeling hope in your life. And can I just posit to you today that uh, I really believe and I really see in the scriptures that decisions made from hope are always going to be better than decisions made from fear. Fear will tell us to hold on to the things that we already have. Hope says tomorrow can get better. And I think along the way, we may have lost that belief. And we'd like to believe it's true. We'd like to believe those things. But just life happens. Life just lifes. Calendars just get overwhelming. And then there's another group of people here today. 
and you're tired and you want to give up. As we talk about the maybes, you're thinking, it's not a maybe for me. I'm there and I'm done. I think you coming to church today was the coolest thing you could do. Like, it's not natural for somebody when they're in a hopeless state, giving up, tired, exhausted, just done with life, to reach out for a lifeline. It is no small thing you did today. And so I applaud you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. My hope for all of those groups today is just to give you some thoughts as we wrestle with scripture. Um, not a game plan, not a three-step model, not a self-help book, but really just some thoughts as we wrestle through scripture. And I, I, my hope and my prayer is that as we read scripture collectively today that you find some healing personally. And if not healing, you find some direction today. That you find that tomorrow is better with you today. And so we're going to go to scripture in just a moment. But I, I just feel like it's, it's necessary that we pray in this moment. Um, especially right now, if, if you're feeling hopeless, just know this prayer is for you. Let's pray together, church. Father God, for anybody wrestling with themselves, wrestling with their identity, their trust, their dreams, what they've done, their past, their future circumstances. May just engage them right where they're at today. As we read, as we study, as we learn, as we come vulnerably and authentically to you and to the people around us. May you remind us that you're with us. We all lift this up in your son's holy name. Now God's people said, amen. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, pull them out right now. If you have the YouVersion app, go on it right now. I think if you don't have a Bible, like, let's talk. I want to get you a Bible. I think it's really important that you actually look at the Bible. Maybe you had a digital Bible. That's perfect. Great. Pull it out right now. Genesis 21. We're going to be really living in this passage today. We're going to be reading through it all. We're going to read a lot of verses together. We're going to read a story together. And this story is a story of gossip. Cheese This is the tea. And I gotta, I gotta set you up with a little context in order for you to understand it. So it may sound like I'm gossiping right now, but this, it's not me. It's in the Bible, all right? This is the story. But in order to understand where we're going, I need to introduce you to some characters. Sarah, Abraham, Hagar, and Ishmael. Four people that you need to know. Four people that have some drama right now. Like this story belongs on Jerry Springer. It is insane, right? You got Thanksgiving, you got Thanksgiving this week, man. You, you just hear this story and go, okay, maybe my family's not that bad, all right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing all right. It reminds me as I'm reading about this, uh, this story in the Bible that the Bible's not just for perfect people. And that perfect people actually have flaws too. And sometimes the public perception isn't always what's happening behind the scenes. And that's really what the story is. It's like, let's, let's show the world what's going on. Let's show the world what's happening behind the scenes. So let me get into it right now. We're about to go into the gossip session, all right? So keep it safe. Keep it simple, all right? We're going to do it. Okay, Sarah and Abraham. Sarah and Abraham are God's chosen couple. They are the power couple of the day. God said to Sarah and Abraham, I'm going to bless you guys. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you a nation. I am going to rebuild what I'm planning to do on this world, starting with you guys. Big responsibility, right? Huge honor. God's like, yo, I'm going to do something through you. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, that's me. I, I'm taking that. I'm wearing that as a badge of honor. Only issue. Um, 
They can't have kids. It sucks, right? Maybe some of you know that pain all too real. Sarah and Abraham are wrestling with that. Okay, God said he's going to do this thing through us, yet we can't have kids. And kids, in that time, was your social security. That was your legacy. That was your retirement plan. That was everything to you. And especially if you're saying you're going to make descendants, you're going to start a nation off of me. I need kids in order there to be descendants. And so God says, I'm going to do this. And as he is preparing to do this, Abraham and Sarah, they go, God, you gave us no timeline. Um, so let's speed it up a little bit. Um, let's help the plan of God along, right? Let's accelerate this thing. None of us have ever done that, right? So they're like, let's accelerate this thing a little bit. Uh, enter Hagar. Hagar is Sarah's Egyptian slave. She's a servant to, to Sarah. Anything Sarah wants, Hagar gets. She provides. She gets her ready in the morning. She sets the dinner table for her. She makes sure the, uh, 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 the family's taken care of, the animals are taken care of. She waits on Sarah's hand and feet. We'll do anything for Sarah. And Sarah looks at Hagar and says, Abraham, I got a great idea. Why don't you have a baby with Hagar, and then we can raise it as our own baby? Talk about baby mama drama. <laughs> I know we're all thinking, bad idea, Sarah. You're just asking for it. Well, Sarah decides to do it because that's what we do when we're desperate. We make empty decisions from empty places. And so Sarah makes an empty decision from an empty place with Abraham, and they and Abraham and Hagar have a child. Well, they're about to have a child. And as Hagar gets pregnant, uh, guess what happens? Sarah and Hagar start going at it. Uh, Sarah grows jealous. Hagar gets bitter. Sarah gets mad, starts abusing Hagar. Hagar flees into the wilderness as she is pregnant. So she's in the wilderness. She's pregnant. She's mad. She's done. She's alone. She's foreign. She's by herself. She doesn't know what to do. And that's when God steps in and says, Hagar, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And to prove to you, I'm going to take care of you. You are going to name your son Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. God hears. And Hagar's so thankful. He's like, God, thank you so much. I'm going to name you one of the first people to name, uh, name God in all of the Bible. And so Hagar names God and says, you're the God who sees El Roy. You're the God who sees I'm carrying that, that God hears, and, and I, I trust that God sees now. He sees me in the wilderness. So Hagar comes back. She has the baby, and everything is beautiful. Not so much. Because behind the scene, God says, I still said I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the thing I promised to do, Abraham. And Sarah's going to have a baby. And Abraham's like, what? And Sarah laughs. She mocks God. Haven't you been there mocking God, laughing outside, laughing at God's plans? Sarah laughed so much that God said, you know what? You're going to have a baby, Sarah, and you're going to name him. He laughs. Isaac. And guess what happens? Sarah has a baby. So now we have this beautiful family. Ishmael and Isaac. Hagar. Abraham. Sarah. And that's where our story starts. Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. Would you join me there? 
The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Uh, There's a feast of weaning that happened when kids got to two to three years old. It celebrated the end of the nursing period. So Isaac was born, and that was a celebration, that God had come in and done what he said he was going to do. But then they had another celebration to really commemorate it, because that means he survived, he was alive. That was abnormal in that day and age for two to three-year-olds to survive. And here they are, the party is being started. They had a great feast. So you got to imagine Sarah, who never believed she was going to have kids, she's going all out for her baby boy. Some of y'all are extra when it comes to your one, two, and three-year-olds. I get it, I respect it. But she was extra, extra on that day. The best foods were brought in, the best animals, the who's who of the ancient world was present at that feast. The torches were lit so they could party into the night. Sarah was Pinterest mom of all Pinterest moms and was getting everything ready. Everything was meticulous and no expense was spared on that day. The party was ready to go. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. I love it. it, doesn't even name her son. So the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. So Sarah sees Ishmael mocking Isaac as brothers do. I have a privilege of being able to see my brother every Sunday, a couple times a week. And let me tell you, we go at it. This morning, we're in the sound booth right now. He works in the sound booth. We were going at it. He was like, I miss Mike. I wish Mike was here. And I'm like, I'm your brother. We we go at it. Mocking. These brothers are mocking. And so what did Sarah do? She said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. Sarah, wasn't this your idea to have a baby, because you wanted it to be your son. But no, she said, she stops. The worst kind of mama bear who forgot who her cubs were comes out and says, get that boy and that woman out of my house. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son, his boy, his pride and joy. Abraham had no problem looking at Ishmael as his son. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. God is saying, let me do what I said I'm going to do. I told Hagar when she was in the wilderness, I was going to take care of your boy. And now here we are, and I'm going to prove to you that I am going to take care of your boy but Abraham's distressed because that's his kid. Sarah's struggling. He's in the middle. Uh, uh, Abraham's struggling. He's in the middle of the baby mama drama between Sarah and Hagar. And he's just like, I, I want to love my boys. I got Isaac, who I'm meant to celebrate. Oh, because he, he is God's chosen child. But now I have Ishmael, who was our plan. And now my wife wants nothing to do with him. What do I do in that moment? Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. And this is where I need you to lean in because this is where the narrative begins to turn. Do you feel it beginning to turn? 
because I feel sorry for Hagar. This was not her plan. This was not her dream. This was not her desires. This was actually somebody else's. And now here she is dealing with the consequences of somebody else's decision, somebody else's choices. And she's the one that is being kicked out alongside of her son who was meant to be a part of this family who is now being told he is not a part of this family. Do you feel the rejection? She's been abused. She's been used. Go back to chapter 16. So bad was the abuse that she ran from home and now she's rejected. Now she's in the wilderness and now she has no direction for life. A foreigner in a strange land, a single mom without any governmental support, without any childcare, without any alimony. This mom is desperate now. She's being kicked out and being separated from everything she has ever known. The only place she has ever known. She is by herself in a strange land and saying, figure it out. And so what does she do? She wanders in the desert and she gets lost, which is easy to do in the desert. The harshness of this next picture of her sitting under the hot Middle Eastern sun, separated from all of her hopes. When the water skin was gone, she put the boy underneath one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Man, this is heavy. Just a moment ago, she was with the richest family in all the land. And now she's wandering without direction. Just a moment ago, she had all the food and water you can imagine. And now she's just clamoring to quench her thirst. Just a moment ago, she had it all and then she lost it all. Have you ever been there where it just feels like life's been ripped out in an instant? You don't have anywhere to go, any plans on what to do because somebody else's decisions, somebody else's consequences. Maybe your marriage, you went in with all the best intentions and now you got a mortgage and a kid and you're just trying to figure out how to stand each other. Maybe you stepped into your job, your career, and you knew that it was gonna be the thing that you did for the rest of your life, yet you still feel empty inside. You ever been there before? You've done it all, you've given it all. Maybe, maybe you're a family who's actually lost somebody and it makes no sense to you and it just feels like life has been disorienting. Verse 17, God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from the heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? What do you mean, what's the matter? <laughs> I'm in the desert. I'm just finding enough shade for my boy. I'm walking away because I can't watch him die. It's my prized possession. I'm literally watching the elements take. The sun and the sand are literally about to take his life. What do you mean? is the matter. And I'm like, God, I, I, what, what do you, why would you ask these questions? And I realized he asked this question because this is not the first time Hagar's been there. Chapter 16, in the wilderness. In chapter 16, God says, I'm going to be with your son. In chapter 16, while in the wilderness, he says, don't forget what you called me. You said, I am the God who sees. What's the matter? We've been here before, Hagar. Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying, and as he lies there, lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened up her eyes, and she saw a well of water right in front of her. So she went, and she filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Isn't it fascinating that the place that tried to take him is now the place that he is finding his life? While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got him a wife for him from Egypt, maybe because 
is just like good old mom. Do you feel the desperation in the story? The hopelessness of somebody who is making, who made a decision, and now you have to deal with their consequences. And maybe some of you have already, as you were going through the story, it's like, yep, that's, that's my life. As I read through this story, I just got a couple thoughts for you. A couple things for you to consider as you go on with your week, your life, your following of Jesus. First thing I want to invite you just, just to consider, to think about, is that sometimes we're going to have to give space for things to go. I'm going to say this in a crass way because some of you need to hear it in a, in a, in a difficult and painful way. Some of you, some of us, need to give space for things to die in our life. Especially the things God already said he's going to take care of. There are things that many of us still hold on to that God said, let me have that. Three things I'm thinking about. Your expectations, your habits, and your mindsets. There are things that are incompatible with your future that you are still holding on to today because you think that is the only way forward because that's how you've been taught, that's how you've been raised, and that's all you know. You could have expectations. You realize that expectations aren't terrible, but your expectations could actually be hurting your future. And that's why you're in a hopeless state is because you've just been holding on to the expectation of what your past was going to bring you into or what your future was going to look like. And so you're miserable because none of it came to pass. You're miserable because you can't see it coming to fruition. And you're frustrated with the world around you because it's not happening. Your expectations can actually be really dangerous. Let's talk about your habits. You know, our, our habits are the things that we do every day. We are what we do every single day. I'm going to tell you a bad habit of mine. Do not judge me. After a good workout, I'll feel good. I'll go rock climbing. I rock climb in an indoor gym. It's not that impressive. Um, but I'll have a great workout. I'll feel awesome. And then after a great workout, I feel so good about myself, I think I need a McDonald's double cheeseburger. I deserve it. And some of you are thinking, some of you gym heads are like, well, it's protein, you know? Not, the fries aren't protein, all right? Because you've got to add the fries when you go. Some of our habits have been so destructive for so long, and we don't even realize it because they're just a part of who we are. I'm talking about your everyday habits of how you wake up. What do you do? What's the first thing you check in the morning? CNN, Fox News, TikTok, what is it? Some of these things can actually be destroying you. And then your mindsets. Our mindsets about who we are and what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be. I grew up in a performance-driven household, and my dad was only satisfied when I was doing well. When I was doing well on the football field, when I was doing well in school. So I never learned how to perform for anybody but my dad. And it's difficult to say that as a 31-year-old man, I'm still struggling with that to this day. Is I don't perform for anybody, just I want somebody to be proud of me. And let me tell you, that's just incompatible with the future that God has for my life. I'm learning how to be a son again. I have a father-in-law who loves me for no reason besides that I am his son. And he calls me for no reason. And, and some days I feel like I have to impress him, but I have no reason to impress him. God is telling me, I got to let go of that mindset. I got to let go of the things that I thought about myself or I thought I needed to think about myself because they're just incompatible with your future. I got a box of chargers at home that I refuse to throw away. Yeah, we all do. 
Tell my wife that. We all do. We got a box of chargers that I refuse to throw. Because I keep thinking, what if one day I need to plug it into this ancient device I have? What if my Sega Genesis all of a sudden is worth like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's time to throw that box away. The thoughts that you have that are incompatible with your future, and you know with the habits that you have, those habits that maybe make you feel good, make you, make you self-soothe, make you feel like you're in control of your life. Maybe it's raising your voice. Maybe it's uh, over-planning your calendar. Hagar had to give space for God to do what he was going to do. And we don't just create space for no reason. We create space. We let go of things because we have to let things grow in our life. And sometimes there's not enough room in your life for God to do anything. Perhaps your marriage isn't as difficult as it is. It's just you guys have lost intimacy because you're so busy. Man, that's real. You guys have just become calendar buddies. And you forgot the woman and the man that you fell in love with. Maybe your career isn't fully painful. It's just you're in a painful season, but you're just so close to the problem and you haven't let it go and you're trying to hold on to it. You're trying to hold that on to how everybody acts and how everybody responds and how everybody is. And maybe you just need to open up your hand a little bit. Maybe there's a season we have to go into where we just start reanalyzing the things in our lives. Just realizing they don't have space. And maybe God's trying to do something new. I think about the words of Jesus in, in Luke. It says, no one pours new wineskin into old wineskin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For they say the old is better. Nobody says that. New life must be poured into a new reality. You may be looking for the next thing or the thing that you already wanted. But God may be wanting to do something new in your life. That's what the Hagar issue was about. Hagar couldn't imagine God showing up. And I get it. When you're desperate, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to dream. But here God is. He steps in and says, you do not even know what's coming next for your life. This boy is going to be great. He's going to be a nation. He's going to be an archer. He's going to have a great life. Take him by the hand. Which takes me to my next point. My next thought, second consideration. You're allowed to cry. But you're not doing it alone. It is so easy to isolate ourselves when we feel hopeless and desperate. It's so easy to feel like nobody understands and nobody gets us. It's easy to put ourselves on an island because hopelessness can compound loneliness. Church, if there's any encouragement I can have for you, is that push against loneliness, but make that decision now. Um, God stepped in to this terrible moment into Hagar's life. And as God steps into this moment, I'm reminded that no matter where we go or how deep we are, that God still hears our tears. Like our tears and our heartache are being heard by God. That God's perfect presence is right with you, right where you are. And as easy as it is to get away, God says, I'm going to be right with you. I think about the story of Jesus, and when Jesus found out he lost his dearest friend, he didn't say, oh, well, here's three things that we're going to do. Here's how you're going to fix your life. Didn't say, let me pray with you. Let me, let me pray for you. Not bad things. He said, let me cry with you. Shortest verse in all the Bible, Jesus wept. 
and maybe today you just need to hear that Jesus is weeping with you. And he hasn't left you. And in those moments that you can't articulate the words that you want to say to God because you're just so frustrated. Maybe you're not a crier, but you're a yeller <laughs> in the car. And you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like to cry. Yeah, that's why you yell. <laughs> God hears those too. And he's with you in those moments. And our reminder today is that the church is meant to be proof that God cares. So in those moments that you can't hear God, can I just tell you, get around the church. I'm not talking about on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about get around the people of God who believe in you, who are going to gently care for you, who are not going to give you all the answers, but are going to sit there and sob with you. And church, can I just remind you today that maybe you don't need all the answers. Maybe we just need to be really good at sitting and crying with people. I think sometimes we just have this obligation because of how culture is. Like, we just need to be the one with a five-step plan. No, you don't need a five-step plan with that friend. My hope and prayer is that you find a friend that you can just cry with. And maybe right now you're in a season where you're like, well, that's why I'm here at church, and I still haven't found that. I want to invite you to something. Um, December 10th, we're having something called First Step. We talk about active. But more than that, the reason we have First Step is because I want you to be known by somebody and maybe you're a person that just comes in and comes out, and that's no problem. I love that. It's cool. I'm glad you're here. Keep coming. Keep hanging out. But first step on December 10th, it's between service. It's a chance just to come meet some really good people. But also, can I remind you that if we're going to cry together, we also have to learn to party together. <laughs> the God that was with Hagar in the wilderness was also the God that they were celebrating because he said what he was going, he did what he said he was going to do. Church, if we're going to cry together, we have to learn how to party together, celebrate together, talk about the good things that are happening in our life. And maybe you're thinking like, well, I don't want to cry with anybody because they're always become energy vampires. I've been there. I've been there. Just having people just constantly. No, no. We got to get really good at partying and celebrating the things that God is doing, but also the good things that are happening in our life. We got to celebrate together and party together and be gentle with each other. And then finally, the third consideration, and just the last thing before we take off today, we have to watch our language. Don't nudge anybody right now. I saw, I saw that. There was something happening over there. It's not in the way that you think. Um, and maybe that you do need to watch your language there, but I'm saying, I'm saying that maybe... Uh, Maybe you need to learn how to be gentle with yourself again. When we're in hopeless moments, it's easy to be vicious towards ourselves, And it's easy to be vicious towards the people around us. But when you read this entire story, when you go through the entire story of Genesis, what you see is that God was very meticulous with language. Hagar was very meticulous with language. Isaac was, he laughs. Ishmael was, he hears. And what did Hagar call God? He sees. Maybe you need to be reminded that the God that you knew on that day of celebration is the God that is with you in the terrible moments, that is with you in the heartbreak, that is with you when you want to give up, that is with you when you're on your last dime, that is with you when you're tired of your friends, that is with you when you just don't even want to do this whole God thing. He is the God who is with you in all seasons and in all places and in all times. And church, can I just remind you today that you may have forgotten that. 
Hagar forgot it. She forgot it. And God said, hey, check this out. I'm going to give you a dream that is beyond belief right now. I'm going to give you, I'm going to infuse some story and direction into your life. You may be dreamless, but let me give you some words. I'm not done. And you have so much to look forward to. When we're, when we're desperate, the words we share about ourselves, the words we talk about the future, they can influence our perception of the kingdom of God and also our place in God's kingdom. Uh, and also it can influence the what we think about what God is going to do in our life. Watch your language. It's easy when we're hopeless to be bitter. But get some people around you that are going to remind you, that are going to speak some words into your life that there's so much to look forward to. And maybe that's the reminder for you today. Maybe that's God's word. As it was God's word to Hagar, there's so much for you, Hagar. Get up and take the boy by the hand. Maybe that's God's word for you today that there's so much to look forward to. Let me just take you by the hand, church. If, if you're struggling with your marriage right now, and you just feel heartbroken, you're not alone. I know, I know. You've been trying to communicate for so long. And it's just not working right now. But can I remind you that when you give space in your life, give space in your marriage, give space to the new thing, maybe the new thing is counseling. But there's so much to look forward to. Maybe you're struggling with your purpose. Can I just tell you that tomorrow needs you? There's so much to look forward to. Maybe I'm walking through medical diagnosis after medical diagnosis after medical diagnosis. There's so much to look forward to. Maybe you're in school. We have doctors in this room. We got people who are studying at Loma Linda right now. Can I just remind you that the goal is not just to succeed. The goal is to be fully present with God. There's so much to look forward to. He has a story for you. And it may not be the story that you thought, but there's so much to look forward to. Let's embrace tomorrow knowing that God is not done yet. And church, can I just tell you one more thing? You may not know Jesus today, but he is a son who was willingly given up. And he hung between two thieves. And in some of his final moments, he loved the thieves. He loved the world. And he says, they don't know what they're doing. If only they knew the dream that I had for them, that there's so much to look forward to. And three days later, he rose from the dead. In his death, he said, I'm not done yet. There's so much to look forward to. And he rose from the dead. And as he rose, he said, if only this world, only if humanity knew for the next thousands and thousands of years that I am for them and I am not against them, I am the God who hears and the God who sees and the God who is with them. Will this world be better? Will this world be different? Maybe today that's just the reality you need to live in. Church, God's with you. He's for you. And he's the God who is moving alongside you. Let us pray today. Father God, thank you for what you do in our life. May we just untangle those things that we have to let go, the expectations, the mindsets, the thoughts about friends and family that maybe we're just holding on to that are putting us in an even more hopeless place. May you remind us that there's so much to look forward to, God, as we lean in and love you. May you lean, just remind us by leaning back and saying, well, I loved you first. <laughs> we all lift this up in your son's holy name and all God's people said, amen.